What's up, man? Hey, how we going? Uh, do you care to introduce yourself for everybody listening? Yeah, so I'm Bill Edwards. I'm in uh, Bristol, Tennessee, Virginia area. Uh, I'm a retired cage fighter, amateur, uh, coach a little bit, and a musician and a former engineer. I've done a lot of things, so uh, it's a blast to be uh, with you. You are actually uh, the very first MMA coach that I ever had. And uh, really, yes, sir, yes, sir. You're you're a fun dude, man. I I miss those times. Uh, they were a blast. That was a great little time we had. Uh, Baron Stryker in, in Bristol, Chris Masty. Yeah, that was a great time. That was awesome, man. And uh, I'm su- yeah, I'm surprised that you didn't have a coach before then. You were pretty good coming in. Man, it's just years of wrestling, man. I I think us <laughs> wrestlers are just built different, you know. Oh yeah, it's a different mentality. Um, you know what I was what I was about to say. Uh, you guys actually introduced me a lot, um, like to the UFC, like as far as because you guys had like Ryan Hall at the gym and like Stephen Thompson, oh yeah, like guys that I'd never heard of. So like you guys kind of like lit the flame a little bit. Cool, yeah, man. It's a it was that was a like I said, awesome times and great connections and uh yeah, <laughs> you said, really uh, awesome dudes. You said you're retired. Are you uh, you're still coaching? I'm coaching high school wrestling right now. Uh, I got a local high school here that uh, we had our first tournament yesterday, so that's why my voice is a little, uh, <laughs> a little out of it right now. But yeah, it was uh, that's that's the current thing. Uh, five days a week, six days a week, uh, coaching high school wrestling. That's what I want to like, like I want to end uh, coaching wrestling, like because I I love MMA, but like I don't know, man. Like I think wrestling is like my first true love, you know? Yeah, it's uh, it's. It's a lot different, but it's like some things are the same, but it's uh, it's different with the mentality of the athletes you have. Um, and then also being able to share that knowledge back. I spent so much time wrestling, uh, you know, middle school through a few college and coaching a little bit at the college level. Uh, you know, it's just really good to give that back now to kids while I can still, my body still works somewhat, so. No, I, I feel the same way. I'm, I'm 100% with you, man. That's, that's exactly what I want to do. I want to. I want to give back and it's like people like you and like people like Chris and then uh, people like like uh, Art Ballard the the guy that I'm uh, training with now um, like people like you like lit that fire in me to like give back to like the younger generation and that's what I want to do man awesome yeah that's um, awesome so there was you said you had a tournament yesterday there was a crazy fucking night of fights last night oh my god yeah I um <laughs> so I got back to the house around uh, 9 o'clock it was a relatively local tournament <clears throat> and I got home just in time to get the fights and watch them. So they, that was a sick card. Man, um, do you do you follow Brandon Marino? Uh, not really. Not really. He um, so he was in the UFC. I remember he was he was on one season of The Ultimate Fighter, and then um, he had a couple really tough fights, man, like Sergio Pettis and guys like that. Uh, I think Dustin Ortiz too. And uh, he went on like a bit of a skid, and so he left, and then he went to the LFA and he won a title in the LFA and then he came back uh last night to fight uh uh Kai Cara France yeah yeah god dude that was a fucking (laughs) that was a fight man yeah I'm uh yeah I don't got the unfortunately I got to watch the main card that was about it but I looked at the results for the um yeah I I got to see the results for the prelims that was some some sick stuff for sure I mean that whole that whole card literally from top to bottom was like nonstop knockouts and stoppages. It really was. It was so crazy. What did you think about Uriah Faber, forty year old Faber, kind of coming back and 
Uh, <laughs> well, Giannis is the monster. Like, there's no, there's no way to go uh, get past that. He looked okay. Like, he looked, he was moving really well. He ate a lot of damage. Like, we know that he can. Uh, I mean that. But his eye, holy cow, his eye was just looked like a zombie. Like, literally, like if he was in Thriller. Like, oh my god, what you know, damage? You know, the very first fight I ever seen, and this is like no joke. Like, I tell people this all the time. It was Mike Brown and Uriah Faber when uh, Faber <laughs> broke his hands. Yeah. My dad was, like, literally standing in front of the TV, like, screaming. Because my dad was a huge Uriah Faber fan. And uh, <laughs> so, like, I'm, like, always, like, a, a Uriah Faber ride-or-die kind of guy. Oh, yeah. And then uh, he beat Ricky Simone, which I honestly, like, I didn't think he could. And then he did. So I was kind of in this – I was on that, that Uriah retirement train where I was like, oh, fuck, man. Like, maybe retirement did him good. And Jan is just so fucking nasty from everywhere. Yeah, I don't even. He's so young to have. Like he just st- stands and delivers. Doesn't care if he gets hit, and just unloads all that power. I couldn't believe how powerful he was. He called out Cejudo, man. You think? Uh, you think he can beat Cejudo? Uh, maybe. I mean, that'd be a good ass fight. I would. I would love to see it. I think they have uh, the style would be entertaining for for both of them. Uh, well, you'll see how good Jan's grappling is. Um, it wasn't bad last night. You know, that's a. Uh, I was probably more surprised by that. His counter wrestling was really good. He, um, I'm trying to think of the last person that Jan fought. It was Rivera, right? And he knocked him yeah. down a bunch. Yep. Just, man, uh, I can't yeah. wait. I can't wait to see what he does, man. Even if he was to fight Aljo next, like that would still be a really good fight. Yeah, I mean, yeah. There's a, there's a lot of fights in that weight class now where they got rid of 125 and some guys bumped up, and then you also have the new couple guys coming in on what like a natural rotation. Oh man, that's just gonna be <laughs> like the next year, year and a half is gonna be really, really good. I don't know. There's too, there's too many fights to make that are just gonna be amazing. So yeah, looking forward to that. What did you think of uh, Marlon Moraes and Jose Aldo? Who do you, who do you think actually won that fight? Uh, I think Aldo won that one big time. Too. Yeah, outstruck him a bunch. He was dictating the pace of the cage, and that's all under the old rules, of course. Um, the new rules are just like damage and finishing the fight, and like it was never. There was really no, um, he never really scared Aldo, right? He made a hand a couple times, but never like, oh, I almost dropped him kind of thing. Um, yeah, I think he just got robbed. I couldn't believe that either because it seemed like Marlon had like a really good, um, like an opening 30 seconds, like that, that switch kick and, and yeah. following strikes. And then he had like a very well, like a very good ending 30 seconds. But from that, those two 30 second periods, like I feel like it was all Aldo. And yeah, I really, I really struggled with that one. Yeah, um, yeah, I had that. Uh, you know, I think Aldo won rounds two and three pretty handily, and then to see him lose a decision there is tough. It's real tough. But then, uh, what do you think about that? So, like, where would you place Aldo now, right? Because he's that was the number one contender, and he lost his quote unquote lost a split decision. See, that, see, that's the thing is like I honestly I wanted. Um, Peter Yawn and Marlon Marais, and then Aldo Faber too. Like that's what I would have kind of preferred, because um, I was thinking like after that bad weight cut, which I mean it might have been a good weight cut, but Aldo looked like shit. Oh yeah. And then I was thinking I was like, damn, Marlon's gonna kill him. And then he, dude, he really surprised me. And I think that'd probably be the best fight at uh, one thirty-five for Henry Cejudo would be to fight Aldo. I think yeah. I think um, I think it's a better matchup for Cejudo. In that case. Oh, yeah. Um, no, that's sure. what I'm saying. Yeah. 
I think if he was to fight Yawn, I think I think Yawn has a, a better chance of beating him than Aldo. But damn, man, Aldo looked good last night. No, he really did. Um, they said on the uh, in the commentary that that was the first fight Aldo had with a nutritionalist, and that's why I was able to make the weight so easily. It's like wow. And then that's so, that's so it, crazy. It's like thinking that he came from uh, Nova Union, right? Yeah. With uh, it was like Hannah Morrell and uh, Claudia Gadelia was was there, right? Oh yeah, that's yeah. Like a, that's it's like just... a big gym. It's a sick farm right there. <laughs> that's uh, love that training partners like that. To think that they've never had a nutritionist though—that's so insane. Yeah, that's the other part. Uh, well, I mean, you think about it though. He's only thirty-three, right? So he's just now getting to where testosterone may be lowering. Mm-hmm. That's terrifying. This I remember. That's all. He's a year older than me. <laughs> like, and I definitely remember watching him in college, and so he's just been—he's been fighting so long, you know, just uh. It's, it's, that, that blew my mind. I thought he was nearing 40, and he's not. Are you surprised that he uh, that he hasn't retired, seeing as how, like, Max TKO'd him twice. He lost the 14-second the knockout to Connor. Um, uh, are you kind of surprised he's still there? I mean, BJ Penn hasn't retired yet, right? So, I don't know. <laughs> you never know, right? Um, BJ is such a sad story, man. <laughs> yeah, that's that's obviously the outlier. But um, I think it's different circumstances, too. I mean, Aldo's only 33. I thought he was much older, and that's why. Like, I'm not as surprised now knowing that or realizing that he's only 33. Um, he's got a couple more years in him for sure. Because um, he was yeah. talking about boxing. That's why I assumed he would just be done with MMA and just move completely over. Yeah, that um, I don't know how that would go for him. I mean, he's got great hands, but that's uh, the footwork's a lot different. Uh, <laughs> I, I would love to see him fight though. That'd be great. I want to see yeah. him use those leg kicks more. Yeah, I'm. So, that was the part that surprised me. I don't know why he didn't. Like that was the number one thing, and it could have helped him out tremendously if you make him stop thinking about the striking setup and just eat the legs up. That was a, like that's defined him his style as a fighter. That's never, what made him so deadly. He never really threw him against Max in either of those fights either. That's true. It's very true. Wonder why. That's a See, interesting I, question. That's what I'm thinking. Like I don't, I don't know, man. Nova Union is like such a good camp, but you would you'd feel like, like if there's nothing physically wrong with him, like they'd be telling him to throw those fucking kicks. Yeah, that's kind of. <laughs> I'm in the same. Uh, if I was his coach, that's what I, that'd be my advice. 100. percent Did uh, did Amanda Nunez and JDR surprise you at all? Yeah, I really thought the Nunez would just plow through her. Um, I did too. That was that was a lot more of a fight than I thought. Uh, and Nunez basically survived to win it. Uh, I mean, she obviously outpointed her and outclassed her, but that difference wasn't as near as I thought it would be. It uh, Jermaine threw this up kick, and it when it connected, I honestly thought Amanda went out for a second, and I was. I just, think she did too. God, yeah, she went dude, limp. Right? I was screaming. <laughs> That was sick. You know, I'd rather be lucky than good, right? But no, that was a really good up kick. And Nunez didn't have any pressure on the feet or hips to keep her from like being able to get momentum. Mm-hmm. So she was asking for it. I mean, that was like perfect situation and perfect technique. That was that was awesome. That was a great moment in that fight. How do you not know how to how to defend a fucking takedown though? <laughs> At this level of competition, like what the fuck? Yeah, I don't know. I guess um, you know if you're big enough. If you're the biggest person in the weight class all the time, then that's, that can not be a problem against lower-skilled women. How long has she been out, though? Like, Jermaine's been out for a while, right? Um, she fought Aspen not too long ago, didn't she? Aspen Lang, okay. she, she yeah. uh, TKO'd bef- her. Yeah, and then you know, had a big layoff before then, or whenever she got, like, whenever she lost the title and got in that, that spat with Dana, 
So I don't know if you miss um, if you miss the emergence of the women in the skin women coming up, then maybe you would just assume that you'd be okay when maybe you wouldn't be. So that's so crazy to me to think that. Uh, yeah, so she fought uh, July. She fought Aspen Lad. It was that really crazy like sixteen second KO or whatever. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I just can't believe that she doesn't know how to defend a takedown. And she was, like, actively going for, um... She was going for a triangle off the bottom. Yeah. So, like, how do you... And I mean, which, granted, like, that wasn't very technical. <laughs> but still, like, how do you... I don't know. That that really bothered me. And I was, yeah. I was reading Ben Askren's tweets, and he was like, wow, this is sad. And I was like, it really fucking is. I love Ben Askren, man. I love, I love his, I, I, he's, I follow maybe five people on Twitter, and he's one of them. I yeah. love it. His love social media about. game is underrated. <laughs> like, that's seriously, that's one of the best people to follow on Twitter. Um, and so, after the main event last night, he actually tweeted, um, like, as soon as Usman started talking, Ben started tweeting, and he said, honestly, he said, I kind of wish Jorge was the champ right now. This is terrible. <laughs> Oh yeah, yep. Yeah, uh, Usman's a cool dude, man. That's uh, I guess we'll get to him eventually, but it's uh, it's really funny. I just uh, his whole story is interesting. Talking about Usman? Yeah. I uh, honestly, man, like, like I followed him when he fought um, Emil Mick. Uh, yeah. A couple fights ago, that was like the first, like the first Usman exposure I ever had. But I never really followed him all that well because I honestly didn't see him getting past Tyron Woodley. Yeah, yeah. He um Well, he he wrestled back when I wrestled. Mm-hmm. And he's actually from, he's he's training down by you now, right? Is that is yeah, he yeah. uh yeah, Black Zillion? Henry Hooft. Okay, Hooft. Yeah. But uh he So we're the same age. So he's 32 years old. He wrestled D2. So we knew about him. Uh and he was just in a great He was like a monster wrestler. Um Yeah, so Nebraska Kearney I had to look that up real quick, but yeah, he, um, but yeah, so like you get this guy that would place pretty well in, in the D1 tournaments too, and then, yeah, it was just nuts. That whole thing was nuts. He, um, he's like a fucking, like, he's like an athlete athlete. You know what I'm saying? Because like sometimes you get these guys like, um, like I don't like using Cody Garbrandt as like this example, but he's like a fighter more than an athlete. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, he, he kind of yeah. throws the game plan out the window and he just kind of starts swinging. But, like, nowhere last night did Usman throw the game plan out the window. Like, he stayed, um, like, relatively close to what he was trying to do. Like, he was throwing those body shots. And uh, he was, I mean, a lot of people were, like, on Twitter were kind of surprised that it was, like, a kickboxing affair. But that shit did not surprise me at all. Yeah, you have two good guys that can wrestle. Um then what do you do next, right? Who's going to win the next game right, right. there? Yeah, and then uh, it's all fun and games till somebody gets their jaw broken. <laughs> God, man. That is so fucking... So I, I was reading earlier, it's like a um, a hairline mandible fracture. Okay, so, so it wasn't like, that bad. Yeah, it wasn't that bad, but I just... Oh, man, part of me is kind of... Because I was actually pulling for Colby to win, but part of me kind of thinks there's a little bit of karma, you know? Yeah, you talk all that smack, and then, you know, you're liable to whatever happens. Did you watch when the um, when the the crew like found the punch that I guess supposedly broke his jaw? 
uh, what about? I mean, I saw it like when they, they did the slow mo and played it, like did the replay. Yeah, and his mouth was open. Ooh. Yep, God, that's Usman. why you keep your mouth closed, right? Yeah. Usman hits <laughs> fucking hard. Yeah, there, there. He's um something he's really good at is standing at the end of his punches. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I don't know if he necessarily has a lot of upper body strength. I mean, he does obviously, but he doesn't have like the the quick flick, uh, Brock Lesnar style overpowering, overpowering. When he snaps that punch out, man, it's you're getting hit with it right in the power section, and it, yeah, those all look like they hurt every single punch. Even with Woodley, like Woodley got hit with some freaking tanks. Um, yeah, I love I love his striking style. What really worried me was when uh, he would almost like look away every time Colby would ac- actually touch him. He would like look away from the punch, and I I told my wife I was like, yo, like if he looks away and Colby throws that kick, like that could be lights out. And oh uh, yeah. It was like he, I guess, like he realized what he was doing because he quit looking away from him. I don't know if it was like a, like a first round kind of deal. Like he just had to kind of get over it, I guess. But he quit doing it, and God, man, I just his gas tank is so fucking good. Well, they both have incredible. They had, um, they both had really good gas tanks. That was impressive. That was like eighty punches or hundred punches in the first round. Yeah, that's not sick. <laughs> you got fights that don't have a hundred punches in the whole fight, and they did it in the first round in a five round fight, and neither of them gassed. That was unreal. Do you think? Uh, do you think? Like, let's say, like nine times out of ten, do you think nine times out of ten, uh, Usman beats Colby? I think so. Um, I think it was pretty. I think he did like a three to two kind of thing, but I, I really think that that's. Um, I think Usman had a bad fight for him, and still was able to. You know, figure it out and get it. Uh, I think Kobe might win. Like out of a hundred times, maybe maybe ten of them, Kobe would win. And uh, like you know, gets a good uh, good strike or a good knockout uh, power shot, lucky clean kind of thing. But how'd you I have think it scored? It. Oh man, um, don't even remember. Hundred percent honest with you. I think I had it um, three to two, Usman, but pretty clear. Uh, and then, but the problem was all of them. The scoring literally could have been anything. Any, like any round could have went to either guy, depending on what you were um, looking for or what you thought. Um, the one where um, the jaw breaking round was definitely Usman's, but other than that, they were all toss ups. See, I think I think one um, like round one and two were definitely Colby, and I think three the the round that he got his jaw broke uh, was definitely Usman. That fourth round was kind of a toss-up. I would give it to Usman just for the sake of like having it two-two, like going into yeah. the fifth. I don't know, man. I feel like if Kobe, if Kobe wasn't dropped and could have uh, made it to the end of the round, I don't know, man. I I could honestly, it, let's say he didn't get dropped those two times, wasn't finished. Um, I would actually be okay if he would have won that fight, like. Like as a fan, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. I wouldn't have been too upset. It would have been. I mean, I'm on a crazy, crazy fight. So, um, yeah, you know, I think the stoppage was early, um, a little bit, but he did the uh, the cover up thing, yeah. and he had been dropped twice. If he hadn't been dropped twice, if that was the first time he got dropped, he'd still be. That fight would have finished it out. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. That's a tough. Uh, I mean, well, we got the we got the full money's worth, right? So <laughs> to have it finished then, uh, I think. Just, I think whenever you get dropped and you start, um, like, quote-unquote, like, grabbing a leg, you can't just leave your arms kind of, like, around the hips. Like, you have to actually grab a leg. Like, you have to actually, yeah. like, put your hands together around a leg 
or uh, at least make it seem like you're legitimately trying to work. And so I, yeah, it's I, a, I, I think it was an early stoppage, but he didn't really help himself, you know? Yeah, it has to be um, intelligent defending. So that's the the intelligent part is the is the key there. So if you're just sitting on a leg or you're just sitting on a hip and not moving, you may you may be out. You know, you, you can go through muscle memory just to kind of know where your hands got to go a little bit. But if you're not working your feet or your knees or anything like that, or if you just put your hands up on your head and kind of uh, shell up, then yeah. What do you uh, what do you think next? Like, what do you think is next for Colby and Usman? Like who would be the, the right contenders, I guess? Yeah, these are good questions. I don't know. I mean, Kobe and Wonderboy, maybe. I don't know who Wonderboy's going to fight next. Uh, you have Jorge's in the mix. Uh, I think Jorge will get a, a title shot um, if I had to be watching the hype train there. You think over Edwards? Um, Yeah, I think so. I mean, Edwards is really good, but they're looking – you look at the narrative a little bit. I do follow that a little bit, and I think that would be the next step up. Um. I mean, because Jorge beat a, a guy that because if Askren had beat had beat Mazdaval, then it'd be he'd be like in the discussion as well. Um, then you also have Woodley. Uh, Woodley hasn't fought again, right? So, yeah, it's all it's all kinds of craziness. The way that I kind of seen like the whole bantamweight like picture kind of pan out, like it has to be like Kamaru and uh, and Jorge fighting for a title, and then honestly, like I would not mind Tyron Woodley and, and Colby. And then Wonderboy and uh, and Leon Edwards. I think I honestly think that would be that's probably the best matchup there. If you're gonna be making the most the best fights for those top six, mm-hmm. those are those are probably the fights I would want to watch for sure. Um, Kobe uh, the Kobe Kobe lost the Woodley right? Uh, no, they they've actually never fought. Okay, they didn't fight. Uh, Kobe gave it up on the being injured or which who? Yeah, that, that, that's what happened right because he had the interim. Uh, yeah, he had uh he had the interim and then he he took some time off and that's how Kamaru stepped up okay that makes sense I'm trying to figure that out I believe but I think that's I think that's right I, I remember he I, I feel like he was stripped he either was stripped or lost to Woodley but no that's that'd be I would love to watch that fight that'd be a great fight that would be that'd be really good um Volkanovski and Holloway what do you think of that wow I was not expecting that uh, I mean I kind of was I didn't know that he could do that um, level of striking on somebody of that caliber, if that makes any sense. So, like, Holloway's so good, um, but those leg kicks, dude, again, back to the, back to the leg kicks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just 68. tore him up. God almighty. I don't, I don't want to see uh, Max's legs, for sure. Those things had to look horrible. 68 <laughs> leg kicks. That's, God, man. Yeah, it's hard. And then once you shut them down with that, that's why it's such a good uh, technique if you can land them early is that it just shuts the whole, the whole offense down. There's no way to muster it. You're only surviving at that point. So, I mean, what, what could Max really do? I mean, he, he was still really competitive and there was still had its moments, but, I mean, that was pretty dominant. Like, not horribly dominant, but very, very good. Did you uh, did you see the interview going into the fight where Max said he didn't watch any tape on, on Volkanovski? <laughs> Like, like, what the fuck? <laughs> uh, just a big old rugby rugby player from uh, from Australia. I'll be all right. Nope. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm honestly like, I like I like Max, but man, Alex kind of gained a fan in me last night. Man, that shit was fucking crazy. Yeah, it, he's it, so efficient, like with his game plan. Yes, that was the that's the reason I really enjoyed that. Uh, watching that, it was there was. Um, 
he was able to fine tune it. So he had this this really good machine that wasn't quite fine tuned. And then once he dialed it in, it was like, oh my god, how do you beat him? Right? It was uh, that was really great. Just incredible striking. Um, man, that was great. I really I really did enjoy that fight. I the match lost. It was still it was still like from a from the, I'm a nerd, right? So I'm a technique nerd. Mm-hmm. And that was just, that was great to watch. And if I were still coaching MMA, that'd be a fight I'd pull up and be like, I would coach from that, like break that one down, for sure. Yeah, I honestly I like, I couldn't believe it because um in a lot like in a lot of ways like I truly do think Max is like the featherweight goat, you know. Oh, but, yeah. but then after that, man, like it's and you have so many fun matchups now too cuz you can do uh Volkanovski's a beat. You can do Volkanovski Brian Ortega, uh Calvin Qatar, honestly who man, that fight against a beat like I think Calvin Calvin was starting to pull uh, like the fight his his way, you know. Yeah. So I mean, there's a lot of really fun matchups for for Volkanovski. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just great. I'm glad he's got the belt, right? That'd be the that'd be the first one. Yeah. yeah. Um, he uh, another one of those. He was the Cage Conquest welterweight champion. Wow. And so Ro- he was coming down at the point, right? And the the Rochambeau welterweight champion, the AFC welterweight uh, champion. He didn't, and that was in 2013, and then uh, from there, he started um, He started 2014 off at lightweight, and then the next month dropped down to featherweight. That is fucking wow. crazy. That's unreal. And to be that big um, and, like, not be sucked out, is, that's incredible. Yeah, his reach is longer than Max's, too. That's so crazy, because he's, what is he, five, he Sometimes he's gifted. Yeah, I think he's an inch shorter, or I think he was like either I think he was like an inch, inch and a half shorter with a longer reach. That is so crazy. Yeah, he. I can't wait to see what they do with him next. Really good. Um, and you know they're they're doing more fights in that part of the in the of the world. So, you know what kind of cards are going to be out there too if they take fights back to his place? That'd be great. I'm I'm genuinely looking forward to that. You know, get him and Whitaker on a card. Mm-hmm. That'd be really great. Um. So City Kickboxing, the gym that he he trained at, has Israel Adesanya, uh, Dan Hooker. It's got uh, Kai Kara France. Like, that's a fucking that's a team right there. That is <laughs> yeah. so crazy. I imagine you took the best of our country or the best of like half our country and put them in one camp. I mean, we've done it um, a couple places here, but just imagine everybody's like, well, we all want to stay in this part of the, of the world. Let's do it. So that's that's insane. That's just man to be a fly on the wall there oh for real for real do you think um city kickboxing coach eugene bearman of course israel adesanya won a title this year dan yeah. hooker just uh dan hooker just beat Iaquinta. um of course volkanovsky just won the title you think that's like the coach of the year right there oh gotta be i mean you have to be uh who else has those results you know and then turn the tide on that yeah that's that's unbelievable. Yeah, I was looking at the rest of their gym. That's that's fucking crazy, man. That's almost like a tri-star in in New Zealand. Yeah, you know it's um, this is pretty much what it is, and it's it's interesting that you have camps that'll rotate through that. Like AKA was big, mm-hmm. um, and then uh, yeah, all of them tri-star. You name them, you know, just how many of them? Like and then they start collecting belts. Like yeah. one camp will get all the belts, and then they kind of, and then okay, what do we do next? In response, another camp comes up, and yeah, I've, I've, that's always been pretty cool. Um, even from like kind of, 
I call it UFC 2.0. I think we're in like 3.0 or 4.0. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when they first started going to Iowa with Militech and all them, um, that's been of, fascinating. A lot of people actually don't know about the uh, the Pat Militech fighting systems, man. That was like the original, like that was the OG shit right there. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, you follow that, a good template. Um, and then everybody else starts, uh, you know, guys that get along pretty well and all have a common goal and they can go out and achieve them that's uh yeah that's always awesome it could be lonely you know like they say wrestling too it's a boxing and everything it's an individual sport but you know it takes a a huge team to do it so um people don't or there's such an advantage to having a team around you to do it um so yeah i'm not surprised that they're doing so well out there it's uh, really cool to see it's one of those things where like it truly takes a, a village you know (laughs) <laughs> yeah like to get those results it's absolutely crazy um are you uh are you do you watch a lot of the free fights that espn plus does uh i try to um it depends if they got a good uh there's a good headliner i'll probably watch them i haven't followed it's dropped off for me i've been watching more wrestling um where i'm coaching mm-hmm. uh but I, I try to catch them when i can uh for sure because uh, there's nothing better to watch on a saturday night or a friday night or here lately in the mornings um, just some good young fighters that are, you know, from different parts, like all from everywhere and just getting after it and they're real hungry and they go crazy. So that's what I like to watch. So, so the reason that I asked that, and then you actually kind of hit right on it. You said it's like kind of early in the mornings. Next week's card starts at 5 a.m. The, uh, UFC South Korea, Frankie Edgar and, and, uh, the Korean zombie. Yeah, that'd are be you, awesome. That's going to be a good fight. Are you going to wake up and watch that or are you just going to try to watch it later in the day? Uh, I'll be coaching, so I got a tournament today. Um, so I'll be coaching some high schoolers at probably their biggest. Uh, I think it's one of their bigger tournaments of the year for around here. Um, so I'll be uh, just as hoarse. My voice will be uh, probably equally gone, although I may not yell as much uh, this week. We'll have that conversation in the, in the room about I'm not going to yell so loud. But <laughs> I'll probably I'll probably try to catch the replays of that for sure. Um, I think. Because uh, Frankie Ortega or Frankie Edgar stepping in for Brian Ortega, I think I would have yeah. been more inclined to watch five AM card if Brian Ortega was on it, just because I really want to see um, what he does like after the Max Holloway uh, fight. But yeah, I don't know, man. I'm probably I just can't really see myself wanting to wake up at five AM, especially because um, I mean it has like Duo Choi on it. And then, like, Vulcan yeah. Ozdemir, but I just can't really see myself wanting to wake up for this card, you know? Or just to watch it live. I mean, if you can get to watch them after, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm all, I'm all for that. You know, wake up, watch them with lunch, wake up there at breakfast. Yeah, I got a feeling you wouldn't want to uh, wake up early uh, on a weekend for any other reason than your kiddos crying, right? Yeah, for real. <laughs> you're probably getting, en- you're getting enough of that as it is, right? Man, I am, uh, she actually, I heard her for like a second a moment ago and I muted the mic and I kind of like leaned, leaned kind of back away from the, from the computer and then she stopped crying. I don't, I love, I love it, man. But let me tell you, your whole, your whole world kind of shifts. Um, What's the schedule, right? You don't, you don't have a plan anymore. It's all her, her plan and her schedule. Yeah. That's what I was about to say. It it just went batshit crazy. (laughs) I love it, man. I honestly do. Like a lot of people are like, oh. I didn't really enjoy it at first. Like, I don't fuck that, man. Like, I enjoy it. I enjoy it just because, like, I'm so, like, blessed. Like, so happy, you know? Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. But damn, man. I <laughs> This sleep schedule kind of sucks. 
you got to do the uh, get it where, where and when you can. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I actually I fell asleep the other day. I just came in from work and I sat down. I started watching. Um, what was it? it was like some NBA highlights or something. And I just completely nodded off. Like <laughs> didn't even think about it. I still had my work boots on. Like I was done. <laughs> um, so what have you got going on lately? You said you're coaching wrestling. What else you got going on? Uh, so yeah, that and um, you know, fishing a lot, which is good. I got somewhat serious into fly fishing, fly fishing around here. Um, took a trip out to Wyoming for that. Um, that's a, a minor hobby. Uh, been other than that, been playing a lot of music. So how was Wyoming? Um, Wyoming was fantastic. We went in the end of September, or like I guess beginning of September, somewhere there, somewhere sometime in September. Um, it was beautiful, man. A wide open country, um, not quite brown, uh, kind of like grassland ish still. Uh, big old river coming through, and uh, a couple of like a big reservoir, tailwater type thing. And uh, yeah, the West is awesome. I love it. Wyoming's kind of one of those places on my list. Like, kind of got to see it before uh, before you lose the opportunity to, you know? Like, it's, oh, for sure. I see pictures. I actually have a friend that lives there now. And he posts pictures, and man, it is absolutely fucking gorgeous. Uh, the, what struck me was one night I woke up, uh, I mean, different time zone. I'm on, I'm the eastern uh, time zone, so, like, wake up early, and um, it's still obviously very dark out, but then there's no, there's zero light pollution. So you just go outside and look up, and it's just all the stars, and big open sky, nothing in the way, no mountains, really. Um yeah, no trees really. So you're just getting the full 360 degrees of sky and uh, and the stars and Milky Way, and that was it was so beautiful, dude. That's absolutely awesome, man. <laughs> I uh, I remember like living in Arizona, like living in Phoenix, and you can look up and man, it's some of the most beautiful um, like night skies come from like those open plain areas, you know. Yeah, and absolutely. A lot, of, a lot of people do not get the opportunity to like. To see those, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's a shame. It really is. You know? It really is. Yeah. Let's um let's talk about your music, man. The the entire time I've known you, you've always um you've always been posting about playing different shows and, and different um different places. How long have you been, I guess, playing music? Yeah. So I started like a lot of kids do. Um, when I was in high school, a bunch of buddies. We got a uh, we did classic rock. Um, I grew up in New York. And we, we were basically a, a Springsteen cover band, which has benefits. That was awesome. The um, boss. That's it. So we did we did a lot of other classic country rock stuff, um, southern rock kind of stuff. Just uh, it was fun to play. You know, you get with your buddies and you know hang out and play some some blues and, and, and like all that kind of stuff. So we, yeah, play gig a little bit, um, and then I mean, we didn't really get to write anything of our, of our own. We didn't release anything, but. Uh, that was a good experience. Uh, took that in that experience into college, and started writing songs at, uh, then. So I kind of do the singer songwriter thing now. Um, we're in I'm in Bristol, which has uh, which is the birthplace of country music, and there's a pretty good music scene here for that. It's um, it is Americana. Uh, so Americana is a genre. It's a little different now than it used to be, but it was started to get the. Um, the songwriters in Nashville during the 70s and 80s that weren't writing the commercial hits uh, anymore 
It was to get them a format so they could have music uh, played on the radio and have their own award system and all that kind of thing. So guys like um, Guy Clark or Towns Van Zandt, uh, Emmy Lou Harris, uh, that, that kind of singer-songwriter, John Perron. Uh, and that's kind of what I do. Um, singer-songwriter music like that and, you know, three-hour slogging it out, bar gigs, um, just me and an acoustic guitar, and uh, hopefully nobody throws a beer bottle at me. That is awesome, man. That is yeah. awesome. I, because I, I kind of grew up. Um, like my dad was like a really big country music fan, and then my mom is like a rocker, like a hippie, you know. Yeah. And so I grew up on a lot of uh, like Towns Van Zandt, a lot of uh, Bob Dylan. Yeah. Oh but then, yeah. But then a lot of like outlaw country too. Um, so I kind of gravitate more towards like Americana style music, I guess. Yeah. Um, but you're playing a lot. Uh, you're playing a lot in Bristol. What's it like playing live? Like I've I've never, aside from like fighting or like wrestling at you know like state, I've never, uh, like performed. I guess in front of like yeah. a big crowds. So what is that? What's that feeling like? Uh, so it's a little different than uh, I. It's it's funny. I was in. Uh, I just got back from Nashville. Uh, I did a, a songwriter intensive with um, like a workshop uh, with one of my big heroes. Um, I won't talk about who it was because that's kind of a no-no, but, uh, you know, basically we were out there, uh, and we talked about it. Uh, I had just like, he wanted to know about like, what's it like to be a fighter? Uh, and there's so many similarities. So, um, you know, they're going to play, uh, you can do a bunch of preparation. You have to make sure you know exactly what you're going to play that you've done it a thousand times. Um, so it's just muscle memory on some of it. Uh, and the only difference between, like fighting in a cage and fighting an opponent and then performing for people is that uh, in the fight you're trying to execute technique on somebody and, and you're focused really on yourself and your opponent and then when you're playing a show you're like you want to make a connection with the people you're there with so you have to read them um, they're not opponents for start you know that kind of thing but you're just trying to find uh, what makes them tick or if they react to a certain song that you're playing if you know more that, uh, that go down that rabbit hole uh, and try to keep them entertained. You tell a story if they want to tell a story, or if you're uh, if they're having dinner, you just kind of shut up and let them listen, and yeah, just ride it out for a couple hours and uh, know each other. How old were you the first time you ever performed in front of like a crowd? Oh, fifteen or sixteen. We played a uh, a couple of gigs. We played a like a blues festival, and uh, you know we had our own shows and stuff too. Um, is it one of those things that the nerves kind of go away the more you do it, or is it very similar to fighting, like you have those nerves every single time? Uh, it depends. So I wasn't, um, after the first couple fights, or, so I fought, a, I fought a few times in a row, uh, back to back to back, when I first started fighting, and uh, after the first, after the second one, I was okay. Warm up, go fight, no problem. It was like just being in the office. Uh, but that took a lot of mental practice, and like that was a big focus of mine. And as I think, uh, for a lot of guys that have fought with me in the being back in the room, like in the like warm up stuff, uh, that was always my focus. It was just like we're here to do work, we have a job to do. It's not that big a deal, you know. There's just a bunch of lights and stuff. Um, you know, try to stay in the moment you're in, and uh, that kind of kind of deal. But anytime I did like the first fight in a while, same thing, anxiety again, like, oh God, or if it's a bigger stage or a bigger uh, venue, you can kind of psych yourself out. But yeah, that's always a, that's a constant battle. You got to fight with yourself and a lot of things. I mean, I'm sure uh, like when you just went to the hospital to, you know, for delivery, 
right? That's a that's a terrifying thing of its own, right? Let me tell you, man. Those those hours felt like years. <laughs> terrifying shit. Oh well, yeah, I mean, you were prepared. You had a plan, and you knew what you were gonna do. I'm sure if you have more kids, and it'll be uh, you know, by the last one. All right, let's get this over with, right? Somebody oh, asked me. Somebody asked me. They said. Uh, they said, "How was it?" Somebody from the gym. They said, "How was it? Were you nervous?" And I was like, "Well." Because, um, you know, I grew up on a farm. So I was like, well, I've, I've fought in cages. I've rode bulls. I've, I, like, I've been an adrenaline seeker, like, my entire, like, life, kind of. Um, yeah. I was like, that is the scariest shit that I've ever, <laughs> like, been part of. Like, it, it was terrifying, man. Absolutely terrifying. And then, and then, like, and then you see, like, you see your child. Like, I've seen her, and, and then you hold her, and it's like it all went away. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like every time I've ever fought, I had this this fucking terrible, um, I had this terrible mentality because I got like two knockouts back to back, and then so going into the third one, I took I took fights. Um, I had three fights in like three months, like maybe like a fight Ooh. a month. Yeah, and so I yeah. had two I had two knockouts back to back, and then going into that fucking third fight, like you feel so confident going in there that you almost, um like underestimate the moment yeah yeah you know what i'm saying absolutely and uh so th- that like i like, after that i've kind of like i've been trying to tell myself like never i don't never underestimate the moment i guess like yeah so in going to the hospital and all that i was fully prepared like to have a panic attack but i could <laughs> you know what i'm saying i was trying to keep it keep it um in check and then afterwards after you get the baby I was still kind of trying to to keep the emotions down just because like even though it's like a physically healthy baby or, or everything looks okay like like you're still like they keep you three days for a reason you know yeah yeah so in my mind I'm like on edge the entire time like every time she makes a move or, or she makes a peep like like I'm fucking paranoid the whole time <laughs> is and that it, normal is that normal yeah I man the second that we got home, I mean, she's she's about to turn a month old, and I'm still every time she moves or every time she makes a noise, like like I'm <laughs> running through the house, like like freaking out, man. Yeah, I've uh, been told uh, I'm not a parent myself, but I've been told that that's uh, that is constant. <laughs> that's that is good. that is a lifelong uh, feeling you're gonna have. You know, I, I actually reasoned with myself the other day, and I was like, okay, you know what, like. Like, it'll be okay because, you know, pretty soon, you know, she'll be walking. And then I was like, well, fuck, that, that might be worse. I was like, okay, so it'll be okay once she goes to school. And then I was like, <laughs> actually, okay, that's pretty fucking bad, too. And I was like, okay, when she turns 18, everything will be okay. And then I was like, Jesus Christ, it's never going to be okay. Nope. Like, that's, like, I am, I am on the edge like on the edge of a panic attack for the rest of my life now. <laughs> like that's just I've kind of accepted it. <laughs> yeah, that's uh yeah, so that's kind of um so imagine not having a payoff as good as having your child in your arms. That's kind of the deal with music. Um it's not really like you know that the bigger gigs you get sometimes or there's uh, like 300 people and you know, you know to be prepared, you make sure that you um that you're riding it the way it's supposed to go and you're interacting the way you're supposed to interact, but you can get surprised sometimes too. So, uh, yeah, it's just always, you have to always be vigilant, I suppose. But it's a lot of fun, man. It's a lot of fun to be up there and your eyes closed and rocking out and singing your heart while people get into it. And, 
uh, sometimes it sucks when people, you know, just don't give a shit or if they're just gonna, you know, this, you know, you played a gig with three people that are in the audience or no people in the audience. Um, you just play for the, the staff that are there. Uh, Have you ever yeah, played to like uh, a bad crowd? Uh, like crowds yeah, I mean, that I played, do throw stuff? Uh, no, I've been in places where, um, you know, they told me to told like turn down or you know why aren't you playing these songs or that songs and they they usually just leave. Um, but I've had buddies that have been in places where like they'll like there'll be some fights if you have bikers and uh, professional people or whatever and they just get in fights uh, and stuff happens and you know bottles have been thrown and they wind up hitting the, the band equipment and stuff. Uh, you know you hear about those those gigs all the time, but usually that's like into Kentucky or into the hills a little bit. Just kind of realized you probably get asked to play wagon wheel every single time you step on stage, don't you? Oh man, it's it's a bunch. Uh, not around here, thank God. But um, the people around here got used to not listening to wagon wheel. But like uh, I play, uh, I'll I'll play a bunch of shows up in New York, uh, usually every October. And they either want uh, like play a Zach Brown song or play uh, a <laughs> or play wagon wheel. So, and the answer is no to both of those questions. So we'll just. Uh... <laughs> Do you uh do you listen to Zach Brown? Yeah, man, I do. Have you have you heard his new um, his new solo album? Um, I listened to a couple of it, a little bit of. Um, Very surprising. I yeah, I don't know what um, I don't know what he's going through. Um, but very strange, very yeah. very strange. Well, they the, the Zach Brown band on a cover of uh, someone I used to know, right? Yeah, yeah. And then he came out with that album. Yeah, I thought that was very weird, man. I've been a Zach Brown fan since the beginning but that that new shit that he done solo man i just could not get behind it yeah you know um and i know that he's got to do that for himself you know that's uh you got to go where the muse takes you um the guy that did the songwriting thing last week um he's actually he sometimes he'll tour with him to be a multi-instrument like to play the mandolin and Mm -hmm. uh, pedal steel and all like a bunch of those instruments um yeah, you know that. Funny enough, that didn't come up. We didn't talk about that. Um, you know, Zach Brown thing, but you know, you got to follow the muse. But I don't know what. I feel like he, like from an outsider perspective, you know, he's got a lot of stuff going on in his personal life. Is that really the thing he wants to do? Who knows? You know, just uh, if he's having fun and it's working for him, then I guess it'll work for us too. I listen. That's some good. I've I've actually really because I don't really get into the. Um what is it, bro country, like Florida, yeah. Georgia, and, and stuff like that, but I actually really like that Morgan Wallen kid. Oh, yeah, and oh, yeah. He, he done a song with, uh, what was it, with Marshmallow, or, or Diplo, or somebody, and uh, it's like a pop country song, man, it's fucking good. Yeah, and, it's, uh, you know, they're not they're not bad, like, it's there's some of them that aren't, as long as the song's crafted well, and the meaning is good, it, I can overlook production. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my issue comes when it's all production, and not anything yeah. of substance. So there's a fine line there for sure. So being that I live in Florida now, um, not a lot of people in the, the city I live in are on the Sturgill Simpson and the Tyler Childers train. But I, oh, know, wow. I know for a fact you are. <laughs> Man, how'd you yep. like that new Sturgill album? I loved it. It was great. Um, it was so it's good. It's a good rock album. Um, really good lyrics. Um, and his last Joe Rogan uh, interview with everybody. That was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty big on Sturgill right now. He, um, uh, you know that new uh, Something in Slim, the movie, um, the Thelma and Louise, or the, um, 
Hong Kong kind of movie that just came out. Um, where like a black couple goes on a Tinder date and they kill a cop. No. All right. There's a I forget the name of it. It's something in Slam or Slim and something. Oh, the the movie that he's in. Yeah, yeah. He plays the cop. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I thought that I, was kind of cool. I know what you're talking about, but I can't think of the name of the movie. I'm actually looking it up now. Oh, <laughs> there you go. Did you watch the uh, the anime? I didn't watch. I haven't watched the anime yet. I've been told I need to, so I don't watch a lot of TV these days. But that's uh, high on the list. Man, it is good. That's what I've heard. Um, yeah, really where he was able to get all of his anime heroes and have them do the work. That's fantastic. It, uh, see, I, I didn't really think that I would, I would enjoy it like too much. Um, cause I'm not really like a big anime guy. Yeah. Damn man. It, it was good. <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, it's the same thing. Are we telling a good story? Is it a compelling story? And is it you well? So. It, it kind of jumps around, uh, like story wise, but damn man, it is good. Remember to breathe is like my favorite song on that album. And yeah. the video for Remember to Breathe is, like, it's it's incredible, man. Um, awesome. Is it Queen and Slim, that movie that you're thinking of? Yes. Yep. Okay. Yep. Okay. Oh, yeah. How did I miss this? It seems like something I would actually watch. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think it just came out. I don't think it, or it may not be out yet or something like that. But it's at, uh, that's high on my list of movies to watch um, before I recognized that I was Sturgill in the trailer. Okay. That's, uh, that's Sturgill Simpson. Okay, cool. He, he said, um. He only has like two more albums coming out, right? Yeah, you see, he put out a plan that he wanted to do X number of albums and then he'd be done. So, you know, good for him. It sucks for us, but good for him. That's what I'm saying, man. And he, <laughs> he got into it so late, too. What was he, like 30-something? 35? or? Yeah, 536. Yeah, man, that's that's an incredible career. Like, winning album of the year. And yeah. Then, uh, yeah, man, I, I really like Sturgill, man. I don't think a lot of people... Let me let me paraphrase that. I don't think enough people know about him. Yeah. Well, the machine wasn't pointed in his direction, and he went through and upset it. So, um, yeah, it's hard to like. The songs are really good, um, like massively good, and the music is pure. And he's very talented. Uh, he just doesn't give a shit, which is fantastic. It's something that I would. Uh, it's a good mentality. He would do it regardless of what people, other people think it seems and that's uh, an, an endearing trait really really do enjoy that about him when you say the machine isn't pointed in his way do you think that uh, like Tyler Childers is kind of in the same like in the same kind of uh, predicament right now or do you think Tyler's starting to get the mainstream recognition well you'll figure that out in the next year right because Sturgill had a really good one or two years and now he just kind of floats and uh, he's back he's, I think it's like he's settled down uh, I think that'll happen with Childers too um, or the, you got to you know you never know. Um, he's basically more country um, than what's been out there. Um, for I mean, obviously what's been out there for sure. But um, but he's also not like the neo country or you know going straight back back to bluegrass. It sits somewhere between um, like rap music in in the content of it yeah. and what he's talking about, and then uh, you know it's also just a pure. Um, it's a pure country sound, so those are good things for country music. Uh, and I think that the I think like Nashville is picking up on it because of how many people he's mobilizing and how many fans he's gaining, uh, which is you know the right way to do it. That's uh, he hasn't been discovered um, necessarily because of the, the ecosystem he's making his own, and that's uh, that's really awesome. I think what I really like about him is like growing up in Southwest Virginia, like those lyrics are so relatable. 
Yeah. Like, so, like he doesn't give a fuck. Like he'll just he'll say what he, like what he sees and what he feels, and and that's like that's what really stands out to me about Tyler is how, uh, I guess real everything is. You know. Yeah, I think he found his voice. Um, that's a hard thing to do for a lot of guys because there's pictures of him, um, like kicking it in like double collared uh, polos and stuff back when he was younger and he was playing stupid ass cover songs like we all do uh, and then he started writing and started writing and writing and writing and this was what com- was come out and just super honest um, and it's like true to where he's from uh, that's kind of rare so yeah I mean all those things will tend to you know amass people gravi- people will gravitate to that but I, think yeah, I got to meet him did so that's really? another yeah he's um he did rhythm and roots the last time i did rhythm and roots he played him and colter wall played uh a session at the museum during during the festival and uh so i'm in the video uh if you look you can catch me in the video uh for um which one he do he did um out on a drunk i think mm-hmm. so if you watch that video i'm in the front row with uh, adam parks no uh, hanging out yeah yeah we're just uh, we had front row seats for both of those and then i got to meet him i met colter outside the um outside of that and that was he was he was real nice uh his band were really cool people too you know I had, then, I had no idea he was canadian yeah that's so crazy <laughs> and then uh i got to sit i was i was online um before tyler set. he was hanging out off the side of the stage and he was getting ready to play for his set that day and I was talking to people that were in line waiting to you know shake his hand and say hey and one guy was a trucker from uh from Kentucky he was up coming up 81 heard it on the radio that they were doing rhythm and roots and Childers was going to play or somebody texted him that Childers was at that and he paid the whatever 30 bucks for the one day to go watch that one set and then get back in his truck and get back on the road and it seemed to be a very common thing just like the, the lyrics speak to him um like just so deeply and yeah, and he's in. When I got to meet Tyler, he was just super chill. He was like super relaxed, and not any air of whatever. And he was starting to blow up at that point already. But he's just like, it's nice to meet you, man. Like super kind of courteous, and yeah, man, cool dude. And that's like what you're looking for. Like when you talk about the the truck driver, like you look to relate to like everyday working class people, and I think that's what he's done so fucking well, man. And um. You can tell, like, when people, like, like, I hate to shit on the Florida Georgia line, because, like, I kind of, like, I don't really get into it, but if they're on the radio, I'm not going to change it, you know? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you can tell, like, like they don't, um, like, they don't use the same, um, like, lingo, I guess. The, like, true... Yeah, it's like, lyrical content. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't, I don't know, there's just something about Tyler, it's, he, he sings and he writes, like, the people around him and like how he grew up you know what yep. i'm saying and that's yep. I, I really appreciate that man he's uh he's fucking great i just looked i didn't know country squire was a uh, number one on u.s country albums yep i blew up he did he was the one that did it so it was uh isbel did it with um southeastern and then Sturgill did it with um i think they did it with meta modern uh, I mean, you won a Grammy for it, of course, but I think mm-hmm. he also was number one, charted number one, and now uh, now Tyler. Was that so, Isbell album that had a Speed Trap talent on it? He, um, that was the second album. So that was, um, oh man. Uh, I'm looking it up right now, man. It's yeah, so <laughs> yeah, his first one, his first one was Southeastern. Um, the second one was, 
I'll do that up too. I'll skip quick access to that. Is there any one of the songs on the album? Was the name of the album? I don't think it was that one. Oh man, Jason's actually hit it a couple times. Um, yeah. U.S. Country was the uh, he hit number one for uh, something more than free. Yeah, there we go. And that's the, that's the album. Yeah, and, uh, the Nashville Sound as well. Oh, cool! He hit him for all of them. Great. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I a lot of people don't know about uh about Isabel. But the song "Cover Me Up" that Morgan Wallen uh, covers mm-hmm. so excellently. That's actually a Jason song. Oh yeah, and uh, I think Zach Brown covers it too. Oh no uh, shit. And because uh, that, that's a funny story. I was in New York, so uh, I play near Woodstock. Uh, they have an amphitheater there. It's mm-hmm. a pretty popular country music spot. Um, the big, the big touring acts. So I'm playing there. I'm playing this little brewery near, like Woodstock, and coming up. I always, I usually close out with that one, or I did for a couple of years. Like that'd be the last song I would do, and then it's like, all right, we grew up, we're going home. And somebody's like, "Oh, I love that Zach Brown song." I'm like, "What?" <laughs> it's like you're like, "Oh, honey, honey, go look up Jason Isbell like right now." <laughs> like, and, yeah, but it's good. Uh, he it's just posted, yeah, Isbell posted about that about that cover, not Zach Brown's, but uh, Morgan's. And he was like, "I li-, He said he really liked it. He said he was happy that, uh, you know, he's keeping that song alive, uh, or that it had a, that effect on another artist, and that you know, pe- other people get to listen to it." It's, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. He, um, Jason Isbell's like a, he's a damn good songwriter, man, but he was also in uh, Drive By Truckers, man. And yep. I, I fuck with Drive By Truckers. Oh, yeah, really good. Um, they actually just had phenomenal. an album, or uh, they're about yeah, to Yeah, I think it album. just came out. I think uh, they're either putting one out or they just came out, and uh, I'm looking forward to listening to that. I need to dive more into their, uh, <clears throat> the stuff in the last year or two. I gotta get into that a little bit. Um, do you feel like songwriters yeah, like like Tyler Childers and Jason Isbell like like do you think it's kind of a shame how they don't really get the uh, recognition they deserve? That was a big. Or do you um, think it's kind of like like they they don't mind? I guess. Yeah, that's a big topic of conversation. Um, at that retreat I was at, uh, I was there with uh, I think nineteen or eighteen other songwriters, and some of them uh, are really good. Some of them are award winning. Um, some you may have heard of, um, like in passing or if, oh, they they were in that, um, uh, so that kind of level and the consensus, uh, and even with the guy that's run the, the, the shop is, is that you're not, um, the people, they're songwriters for being a songwriter. Um, the songs are more important than what happens with them. They have to come out and they have to be recorded, uh, put into the world, uh, the, the lyrics and the, and the, and the melody. And then from there, the just kind of ha- whatever happens happens. Um, you have no idea what happened uh, or how people people are going to react if you put out an album uh, or if you go perform it. Uh, the performance part is kind of like this, the, like the Holy Spirit, right? This is one of those like you can't really define it, but it's going to give you a little bit of help. Um, I like that way of the, thought, though. Yeah, yeah, it's um it's like very noble. Well, I mean, it's not even noble. It's just um has to be done or they it, it, they're compelled to do it yeah it's not a uh yeah those songs existed or didn't exist and they came to them and then they had to harness it and get it out um using the craft and uh their experience to get that communicated so it's a uh, for someone like jason i'm sure he would write songs i'm sure he was writing songs and continues to regardless of how much money it makes um 
yeah it's kind of like one of those things that like it kind of kind of comes full circle like even with me like with coaching like like as long as somebody takes something away from what i tell you like no amount of money in the world is gonna make me a better coach like you, you know what i'm saying like yep like i'm gonna teach you the same exact thing whether i'm getting a million dollars or whether i'm doing it for free just because i want to pass it on yeah. to somebody else you know absolutely um going forward man it is it's the 15th of december uh 2020s right around the corner man do you have any big goals for 2020 or, or anything you want to uh, to, to start yeah I'm, try- I'm, yeah I'm trying to record um it's kind of an interesting time uh just a lot of changes uh work my day job maybe uh no longer uh found that out my company got bought out by a big company um it's a little uncertainty there i've been on vacation for the last week so i don't know what i'm walking into work so on the 16th tomorrow i'll walk into work and find out you know what's going on with all that so who knows man uh the goal is <clears throat> my uh, my marching orders coming out of that songwriter thing uh with one of my heroes was like you need to write more songs uh you know total validation you're doing you're doing the right stuff just do more of it so that's the goal and we'll uh we'll see what comes of that that's incredible man i'm I'm such a fan of you, like, as a person, man. Like, like, <laughs> I, like I said it earlier, you were the first MMA coach I ever had. But, like, you taught me so much. And then, of course, like, like I have you on social media, and, like, I just see your social media presence, and it's, like, you're a very respected person, man. And I, I really enjoy following you. And, dude, I, I'm always in your corner, man. I'm always rooting for you. Yeah, same, man. I follow you, too, because, you know, you kept doing it. A lot of the guys that you were hanging out with, you know, that, that, that team has since disbanded. Um, I didn't pure MMA there or not or anymore, but, um, but no, man, you've done a lot of good things for yourself. You know, you're building a family. You're doing all the right things. It's, uh, it's, it's really great to see that. I think, um, I think that those are the kind of things that connect us. And, uh, you know, if, if that's the only takeaway you get from our time that we met together was, uh, you know, why you liked me as a coach or some of the things, you know, it's simple observations and being honest you know those are two uh like what am i observing what makes it successful and how do we do it and how can we replicate it and you know just be a good person do the right thing golden rules always a a good thing to follow and you know just love each other man i surely i appreciate you coming on here man like it, it meant a lot i'm trying to get um like i don't want to i don't want to do just um like just fighter interviews and I don't want to do like um like just internet celebrities or something like that like I want I want like a mix of people you know like musicians coaches um like painters actually I have somebody coming on in the next little bit she's starting a non-profit for uh veterans and she's gonna be that's awesome soon man and I just like, like I like being able to give people platforms you know like I'll always share like a like a local artist's paintings or like a like a local musician's songs like like I'm always that guy like I want people to succeed and uh, dude you you in turn you kind of you kind of bought into my success by by coming on and giving me an episode it's been fucking great man I really appreciate <laughs> having you on here man it's really good to talk to you man just uh yeah just in general I've always loved our conversations uh, you know other than the podcast so yeah this is great it's been great catching up. Thank you, man. I really appreciate it. If, if anybody listening wants to um, wants to find your music or find you on social media, how is that possible? Sure. I've got all that uh, going on under 
W. Albert Edwards. Uh, so dot com, and uh, that's my Instagram handle and, and everything like that. Um, it's kind of like uh, they took my name already. So my name is already used in music, so I can't use my own name. <laughs> I actually see so. that. <laughs> It's a tough, uh, it's a tough one. There's a guy out in Raleigh that's got my name. Um, there's a music publisher that has my name. So those are the two avenues that you could, you know, use your legal name on. So yeah, we're, I'm still working for like a Father John Misty or a, a good moniker to to go with. So, but yeah, that's, W. Albert Edwards is where you can find me now. That's the one guy we did not touch on was Father John Misty. Fuck man, what a nice <laughs> opportunity. Next episode, right? Next podcast. Next time, man. <laughs> hey man, I really appreciate having you on, man. Um, I've got to hear your recordings, man. I cannot wait to hear them. And absolutely, uh, wishing you the best of luck tomorrow. Um, I guess because you you said you don't know what you're going into, but hey man, I'm pulling for you. I'm on, <laughs> I'm on your side, man. Well, either way, it's gonna come, and we'll figure it out, man. You gotta play, you gotta play it loose. You don't know how the fight's gonna go, right? That's they, exactly uh, right. Yeah. So yeah, we'll be all right. All right, brother. I really appreciate having you on, and I really appreciate talking to you, man. Have a good night. You too.